Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for June 13, 2023, my episode number 60. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And here are this week's headlines. More superheroes in Superman Legacy. Urza Miller replaced, or maybe not. A member of the Star Trek family has passed. And a new movie, The Sound. Let's get right to it. Tony Tolado here. Ace Showbiz reports on the latest casting news for Superman Legacy. Nathan Fillion will play Guy Gardner's Green Lantern, known for his wisecracks and unusual haircut. Isabella Merced will be Hawkgirl, and Ed Gathegi, who I interviewed for All Mankind last year, will be Mr. Terrific. Any other actors have not been announced. And there is more Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, Episode 60, in a moment. Screen Rant reports that a new audio podcast series called The Flash Escape the Midnight Circus takes place a few years after the Flash movie, as he is having romantic problems with Iris West and decides to travel back in time to fix them. He changes the timeline again and finds that he is part of a televised gladiator-like tournament known as the Midnight Circus. Look for Flash villains like Captain Cold to make an appearance. Voicing the Flash will be a new actor in Max Greenfield, you may know from New Girl. This does not mean anything as far as Urza Miller's fate as the Scarlet Speedster. But as always, stay tuned. Writer and producer Manny Cotto passed away at age 62 from pancreatic cancer. He had been fighting the dreaded disease for 13 months, according to Deadline. He's written for many TV series and, in my mind, helped write the ship for Star Trek Enterprise on season number four. But it was too late to save the series. Deadline also reports that L.A. Confidential screenwriter Brian Hegeland wrote about losing his friend. Manny was a comrade and a boon companion. Striving with him made the impossible seem conquerable. Because our friendship made it so damn fun. I laughed more with Manny than anyone else I've ever known. He's the godfather of my sons. His death has left a hole in my heart that'll never be filled, nor do I want it to be. I would stand alongside Manny anywhere, ride or die. As far as for the dying goes... It may take the one you love, but it doesn't take the love. A loss. I mean, it's just, uh, man, we've lost so many to this dreaded disease. Definitely contribute to pancan.org. It's a great organization. Deadline also reports that William Fitchner has joined Alex Hoonlaud, Brett Harrington, Adrian Bellinger in the indie horror film The Sound. It's written and directed by Brandon Devane, and the film centers on a group of climbers attempting to scale an off-limits climb known as the Forbidden Wall. They encounter an evil force that toys with their minds and tests their climbing metal. Deadline also reports that a new Deadpool pick, maybe we've all seen it, posted by Ryan Reynolds, shows Hugh Jackman's Wolverine costume in the familiar 
yellow and black. Additionally, the movie has been moved up to May 3rd, 2024. And Variety reports that Jennifer Garner is returning as Electra in Deadpool 3. She was in The Atom Project with Ryan Reynolds recently. She told The Hollywood Reporter, It's such a shame, honestly, because once Kevin Feige took over, everything there was elevated. The writing, the direction, the comedy inside of the stories they were telling. I did not have that experience. Tor.com previews Madalena and the Dark by Julia Fine. Here is a part of that review. It is a time of Vivaldi, no longer at the apex of its power. Venice seems more than ever to be sinking into the sea. Torn between the modern world and the medieval religious order and secular desire, old money and new, the inhabitants of the floating city live their lives vying for whatever power the water might afford them. Magdalena is no exception. A young girl from an aristocratic family embroiled in scandal, she faces marriage or extinction. And so, at the Feast of the Ascension, as the doggy marries the city to the sea, she looks at the sea as a source of control. She wishes on the mysterious force she sees in its dark and murky waves, for the thing she desires most, not sweeping social change, not even sovereignty over her own body, but to be seen and recognized as someone, anyone, when she enters a prestigious Au Despela de la Pieta conservatory and meets the young violin prodigy Louisa, who she knows immediately that she's been granted her wish. This is a dark romantic gothic tale. The experience of reading Magdalena is like any gothic-inspired story, one defined by an unease and containment, the decline and decay of the novel's setting, no longer a diamond in the Italian Renaissance, but a city awash in aristocratic debauchery and debt and an impending sense of collapse, both personal and political. This unease is, of course, tied to pleasure, not only the pleasure-seeking of the characters themselves, but in the novel's oftentimes florid and operatic writing, inviting readers to revel in chaos despite the looming storm. Readers with a distaste for melodrama should stop before they start, and those seeking a familiar sapphic romance should do the same. M. Nordling wrote the review of this Flatiron Books title. There's more of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, Episode 60, so stay tuned. Variety reports on an Outlander Triangle. The publication spoke to John Bell, who plays Ian, and also Charles Vandervart, who is Ransom. John Bell said, I love the power dynamic between us where I actually know more about you than you do yourself. Seeing you struggle to find your own identity at that moment. I just want to reach out and hug you and say it's going to be all right, but I can't. I've got my loyalty to Jamie there. And Charles Vandervart replies, that's such a common theme at the beginning of this for William. Every time he has a conversation, there's so many people that know more about who he is. He doesn't know really anything about his true parentage. There's something to know too between the two of us that we both really are passionate about serving and fighting. 
We just happen to be on opposite sides completely. We're quite similar, but it's just by circumstance that I'm on one side and he is on the other. Look for more at Variety.com and Outlander airs on Stars. The distributor of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, drops a look at their latest, Cinderella's Curse. It's produced and directed by Lisa Warren, who comments, This is an incredibly unique spin on the Cinderella we all know and love. There's going to be some truly horrific deaths by her hands. I think the gorehounds are in for a treat in my dark retelling. Greta Gerwig is expected to write and direct at least two Chronicles of Narnia films, according to Ace Showbiz. She has signed this deal with Netflix, who made a deal with the C.S. Lewis Company back in 2018. Collider reports that Robert Edgar's Nosferatu, his passion project that he's been working on, really pushes the limits. The film is like the silent original centering on Count Orlock, who wants to stake a claim in a new land when he is infatuated with Ellen, who resembles his lost love. Bill Skarsgård is Orlock, with Nicholas Holt and Lily Rose Depp rounding out this cast that includes Willem Dafoe and Aaron Taylor Johnson. Comic Book Resources has a story on Lupin and Tonks' legacy in the Harry Potter franchise. Tom Wampak writes, the wizarding world of Harry Potter excelled at creating exciting characters that may have originated in the Harry Potter universe, but made their way into the hearts of fans at home. Among all the romantic relationships in Harry Potter, few stood out as much as Remus Lupin and Nymphadora Tonks. More at CBR. Bolivip U.S. has a story on the number two movie these days on Netflix, and that's 65 with Adam Driver, as an astronaut who finds himself stranded on an unknown planet, and he finds out it's actually Earth 65 million years ago. And rounding us off, Game Rant has the best Alpha Quadrant civilizations in Star Trek. Here are just a few, cited by James Maddox. The Kazinti. The episode The Slaver Weapon, one of my favorite of the animated series, is author Larry Niven's sole contribution to broadcast Trek and features the feline Kazinti. These piratical aliens are notable because they initially appeared in Niven's own writing before being reused. The Kazinti threatened the Enterprise after they discovered the titular Slaver Weapon before they themselves fall afoul of the artifact's destructive powers. One of my favorite uh, civilizations, a Betazoid. The empathic powers of the black-eyed Betazoids risk becoming something of a joke on Star Trek The Next Generation, as half-Betazoid Deanna Troy, played wonderfully, I might add, by Marina Sirtis, always seemed to have an excuse as to why her powers wouldn't work that week. This limitation was necessary to facilitate alien deception plots. Nonetheless, Troy's heritage allowed her to play a key role in several episodes, including Night Terrors. One of the new aliens created for TNG was the Cardassians. Cardassian civilizations live under an oppressive regime, overseen by the powerful Obsidian Order. The Union's imperial ambitions bring it into conflict with the Bajorans, the Federations, and the Klingon Empire. However, the Cardassians somehow redeem themselves with a dramatic 
heel face turn during the closing days of the Dominion War. And there is more at Gamerhead. And before I go, I just want to mention, if you look in the show notes, there is a link to join my premium podcast, free access for the entire lifetime. So check it out on the show notes at Supercast Sci-Fi Talk Plus, and that is free lifetime access. And that is my Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 60, for July 13th, 2023, back next Thursday. This is Tony Tolado.